The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. everyone thank you very much indeed this is the boys of tech episode 169 for tuesday the 5th of june 2012 tuesday of course because here in new zealand it's queen's birthday weekend or at least it was and so monday yesterday was a holiday my name is edwin herman and i'm also joined by alec doughty from drinkle.com in brisbane australia welcome back to the panel alec Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, look, it's our pleasure. It really is. You know, you join us this week where we have a variety of stories. Absolutely. There's some good ones to discuss this week. There are. So let's actually look ahead at some of the stories. Kaspersky uncovers a major cyber attack. Google takes down more than, would you believe this, a quarter of a million links each week. You'll find out why shortly. And Yubi can turn any surface into a touch screen. This and more in just a moment. First of all, kicking off with the perhaps somewhat shocking news. I'll tell you why it's shocking in a second. This is about Kaspersky uncovering a major cyber attack. Now, the reason it's shocking is because it really only looks like it originates from one place. And that place is a government organization, a nation, a country. A nation state. A nation state, yes. Sponsored Cyber attacks really is what we're looking at In, here. Indeed. And it, it's really a, an espionage tool is, is the only way you could actually describe this piece of malware just because of the, the, the size of it and the variety of different things it can do from switching on microphones to recording all of your network traffic and capturing passwords that are going through the across the network in the clear and all sorts of nasty things it used a number of previously unknown security flaws what what are called zero day vulnerabilities because the first time that they're found is by malware actually using it so it's not security researchers that discovered the flaw it was actually criminals yeah, and as you say, this is all based around espionage. It's there's no this is not a this is not your typical sort of uh cyber criminals trying to make money. There's no money to be made here. This absolutely, is, absolutely this is no money to follow. It, yeah, this is purely espionage. This is purely information gathering. Absolutely. The thing is, this has been operating since two thousand and ten. From what I've heard is it's actually older than that or parts of it at least are older than that because there's one one part of it that, that happens on installation where it copies a, a file and then renames it and moves it to a, a different directory and that renamed file that it puts on your system has been found in archives that Kaspersky has Dating back to 2007. Oh, really? So, so, yeah. but they could be just reusing code here, though. Uh, absolutely, but that's the whole sort of um, majesty of of the design of this thing is is that it's completely modular, and it basically has it, it's basically an OS like a distro where you just decide oh, I want that package and that package and that package. 
So, yeah, there are parts of it that date back to 2007. Wow. This is an incredible discovery. It's called Flame. Yeah. And in fact, because of, because of a, a name inside the code. And in fact, research into this attack was actually carried out in conjunction with the UN's International Telecommunication Union. Not just that, not just that. It was actually found by Iranian security people that are like the equivalent of CERN. And that's a good point, actually. The countries which it's believed to target is Iran, Israel, Sudan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. Mm-hmm. Now, someone or some country is obviously very interested in gathering intelligence from those countries. And I, 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 I wonder who, who that is. They haven't said, have they, who they, who they think it is? Or, no, they haven't. They haven't. Is, there an, um, is, there, is it implied that it's the U.S.? Oh, there's an implication, but it could just as easily be the RIAA. <laughs> oh, no, now you're getting cynical. <laughs> All right, maybe a little. No, I was going to say China, but then I changed my mind. I thought it would go for the funny rather than the serious. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's say this is the work of a government. Is it illegal? Is it illegal under international law? Is it terrorism? Is it war? I believe it is, as it's being, well, theoretically, if it is being conducted by a state, then it's war rather than terrorism. But that's a a fine line, sort of you're really playing with semantics at that point. So, yeah, I, I think it's criminal, absolutely. But it's a criminal act that whatever government actually did it is going to go get away with. This has infected over 600 hosts and it's highly targeted, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure about how, how many hosts it's actually targeted. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on, on those figures. I do know that the, the, the software itself, the malware itself, is being called the, uh, the most sophisticated malware ever. Yeah. And as you said, it can record audio from a microphone connected to the computer. As well yep. as it actually has its own SQL database, SQL oh, really? Lite that it installs, so it can actually build a database of all of the stuff that it's gathering. Oh, nice! It can even take screenshots. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's this is really just one big data gathering exercise, but on a global scale, and it's targeting totally. certain yep. countries, and it's believed to be the work of some other country. Yeah. So it'll be. Well, inter- I've, I've heard. Uh, a cynical perspective on this that suggested that it was Google, which I found rather amusing because <laughs> I mean, they have the, the intelligence and, and the, well, quite honestly, the money to throw at the problem. <laughs> yeah. That'd be probably more interested in targeting China. Yeah. I thought it was a, a, a funny kind of conspiracy theory. Well, people are afraid of Google now. Oh, they are. Yeah. In fact, we should talk about Google because we've got a story on Google. They're killing two, over 250,000, that's quarter of a million, links a week are disappearing from the Google search results. This just highlights to me well, how broken copyright law is. Yeah, exactly. This is all about copyright. So what it is is that they've got a, a mechanism for rights owners, or rather companies that represent rights owners, Mm-hmm to submit takedowns so they can say, look, you know, this link here contains copyright material. They submit that through to Google. First of all, what happens is that there's an automatic validation that I guess there's a sort of a 
an automated check that runs first, then a human will review it if it's flagged as likely to be correct. And then, of course, uh, you know, they make the final decision as to whether that link gets pulled or not. But what's interesting also is some of the abuse that this has had. Like an example that Google cites is where a major entertainment company asked a link to be removed, but it didn't contain any copyright material. It was just a link to a newspaper's review of a TV show that, that gave it rather a bit of a, a hard time. It was, it was a negative review. Yeah, and that, that that's the whole problem with with a, an automated system like this is it it's ripe for abuse. The same thing happens on YouTube as well. That's with, right. With, yeah. with yeah. online video as as opposed to um to links on websites. I mean, well, what they're doing I, I really is the equivalent of carpet bombing. It the, is the rights owners are basically carpet. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they are. You know taking down a lot of legitimate links, but they're also getting a whole heap of other stuff that they shouldn't. But you mm-hmm. see with Google... Collateral damage. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, at least, you know, with Google, there is a human that does that final check if it's, you know, if it gets past the automated check, so... Yeah, well, there's not on YouTube either. What's not on YouTube? Uh, that The human factor. So for the big companies like NBC and, and, and those big copyright holders, they have access to an automated tool that automatically takes down anything that's found to be infringing in air quotes. The thing is, I can understand it with YouTube because YouTube is video, it's audio, right? Now, that's yeah, not what, just, what is it up to now? 60 hours a second is being uploaded or something ludicrous? Yeah, something how like is, that, how exactly. How is Google ever going to pre-screen all of that uh, absolutely literally cannot be done absolutely there, the there was is- some, some fun, funny math that was done by uh, mike masnick on tech dirt that basically alluded to the fact that it would take like two hundred thousand odd judges because judges are the only people that are really able to make a, a judgment call on whether something infringes or not all right it would take two hundred thousand judges a year to review all of Google's or all of the, the uploads and would cost about $39 billion or something. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? With Google, it, you know, links are links to text pages, to documents, to PDFs, to all sorts of things that may or may not contain copyright material. Now, you could argue that, yeah, it's a, is Google any different? Well, the thing is, Google is, sorry, YouTube is, uh, whether YouTube is any different. And yeah, you could argue, well, with YouTube, it's it's a lot narrower, okay? We're dealing with, you know, you know, music and videos and audio, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I, I, I don't really have a problem with this automated tool for, for YouTube so much. I don't have an issue with it, but I was just illustrating the fact that it can be abused. That's right. Yeah, yeah you're right. And, and it does. It does get abused. And I guess it's trying to find that balance between getting the, the stuff off there that needs to be off there and that rights holders have a right to request to be taken down versus being open to abuse by the rights owners. So you've got to get that balance right. Absolutely. And that's the, the tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah, mm. but there you go. That the amount that Google are, are nuking every week is quarter of a million. So every month, there's a million links removed. Now some of them come back up again. You know, they, they crop up again. But you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, well, it's it's the nature of web pages. They just change change a, a domain or or post a new article and bang. 
Now, should we talk about Yubi and this touchscreen service? It looks pretty cool. It's, I think we probably should discuss it. I think we definitely should. This is this is really cool. I'm excited. What it is is technology that can turn any surface into a touchscreen. And the idea is you've got a projector projecting onto frosted glass. Behind that sits Microsoft's Connect. Finally, a decent use for it. <laughs> and what it does is it can detect the movement of your hands and fingers behind, or rather on the other side, you know, on your side of the, the frosted glass. And as you move your hands over the glass surface, that translates into gestures and mouse movements. And as you touch the glass, it translates that into a click. I think the way the Connect actually works is it's got some infrared sensors in there as well as a camera. Um, so oh, right. it, it so, would be able to, to detect body heat and changes of the, the surface it's looking at. Yeah, because it can tell how far away your hand or your finger is from mm. the surface. Yeah, from so the- it's, it does have a camera, but I think it's also got infrared. Now, this is very cool because the thing is, you know, you've got, we've got touch screens, we've got touch surfaces, but those are special surfaces that have to be, you know, that are manufactured as such. You have to have one. If yeah. you don't have one, you can just use a Connect. And uh, I, I, I'm sure if it has to be glass, they certainly, I think it, well, I think at the moment it does. So, because the connects on the other side. So yeah. all you need is some frosted glass, which, you know, pretty much any, any modern meeting room these days has anyway. Yeah, any glass manufacturer is capable of producing well, it. Well, exactly, there you go. You don't have to get it custom built by Samsung. <laughs> exactly. Totally, yeah. I love this. Yeah, love yeah, it. no, it's a real cool um, sort of outside-of-the-box kind of thinking. I don't know what these are going for. Do you know, I think these are the early stages, but is there any indication of price? Mm, no. Well, would cost close to five hundred dollars or three hundred and twenty pounds. Okay, what, so I'm assuming that is in US dollars. That wouldn't include the the eighty inch screen. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's just the software. <laughs> oh, that's just for the. Do you think that's you? That's just for the software. You, so you need the yeah. connect and the projector. Yeah. Yeah, obviously you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get a connect and projector for less than five hundred, would you? No. If, how much are connects going for these days? What are they worth? Uh, I think you can get a full Xbox with a connect for like three hundred and fifty or something. Oh wow! I think the connect by itself goes for one fifty ish. Yeah. Well, that's reasonable. I think they've started selling uh, the connect. As as a PC tool as well that can connect up to PCs designed that's that right. way. That's right. Yeah, and rather, in fact, rather than we, having to homebrew hack it so that it connects. Yeah, well, that's how it started, wasn't it? There were some homebrew hackers that actually got it yeah. to work for the PC, and then Microsoft sort of came out and said, "Well, actually, when our you know, yeah. <laughs> I think they threw their hands up in the air and go, we give up.' <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe that's what Apple should have done when people started jailbreaking their phones. They should have said, "Well, look here, just this is how it's going." Oh, actually, that, well, actually, there is a parallel with Apple. And that was well, that was yeah. boot, no, 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 not not the uh, the phones, but boot camp. Yeah. Because when this is a while ago now, but when Apple announced it was moving to Intel Max, suddenly everyone said, "Oh, does that mean we can run Windows mm-hmm. you know, natively on the Mac?" And then these homebrew hackers eventually got there was if, if you like a I think someone put up a little prize or something to whoever could come up with the hack to get Windows to run on your Mac. 
And then not long after that, they succeeded. Not long after that, Apple came out and said, well, actually, look, we, we have a solution for this. It's called boot camp. Yeah. Well, another parallel uh, to this, and it's another one that Apple did, was actually the App Store. I mean, the only reason the App Store exists is because all of the homebrewers started jailbreaking their phones and installing third-party apps from the third-party app stores. Well, so, I don't know. That, that, that wasn't a re- Do you think that was linked? Absolutely. A- a- absolutely. I like it. No pun intended. But no, that can pun, go the title. Puns are always intended. <laughs> How's that for the title of the show? Absolutely. <laughs> Spelled A-P-P-S. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, where, where were we? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the jailbreak. Well, I don't know. It, the the well, thing, well, I, the well, thing well, I don't understand is that unless you're creating an app that's uh, you know, that goes against Apple's terms and conditions, you know, if you... No, uh, but the whole point was that the iPhone didn't launch with an app store. It went a whole generation with, without having an app store. Yeah, but they didn't release a software the development app- kit either. No. So, so how were people producing these things? Are, are you sure about this? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. There we go again. <laughs> the, okay. That one had a B in it. Oh, did it? <laughs> well, I can't tell. You're gonna to have to be more specific. Look, let's let's talk about the <laughs> if I can compose myself, let's talk about the SpaceX Dragon. Now that was the capsule that was launched to what the International Space Station and back a successful mission. And what was important about this one? Two things really. The first was that it was the first commercial private spacecraft that's ever left atmosphere and and docked with the International Space Station. And the second was that it actually managed to successfully dock with the International Space Station and basically proved that private enterprise can do what needs to be done in space. Yeah, Um, this is actually quite a step. I think this is a, if you like, we're entering into sort of a new era here where we're going to get private enterprise Mm-hmm. launching, you know, crafts to, to the International Space Station, to the moon, perhaps even to Mars and other places and beyond. And it's going to become so cheap to put things in orbit that anyone who wants to launch a satellite will be able to. Yeah, it's getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But to put it in context, NASA, during their space program, the cost per pound was uh, reportedly around 25 uh, between twenty five and twenty eight thousand dollars per pound to get a pound of of something into space, and the cost of um, SpaceX, the Falcon Nine, I think, is below a thousand. That's what twenty twenty five fold. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So huge, huge scale things, and and a lot of that that cost that was involved has a lot to do with the way. NASA is beholden to Congress and how certain Congress people in the US favor their own states and um, it basically becomes a, a like a, a boys club of of only these three companies can actually build things for for the space program and it's like artificially inflates prices and yeah. This is really good stuff, and it is. You it know, is there, there are, it's not just now private enterprises; it's also other countries. We're more or less at the same time that other countries, albeit you know, governments, are going 
sort of beyond, you know, beyond Earth. Absolutely. So a private enterprise at about the same yeah. time, which is really, yeah. really good. Now, the other thing actually just related to this was, did you see that NASA has put out a, a statement or a request, if you like, a plea even, to people to leave objects on the moon alone? And I think they've put this out because they know now that travel to space is not limited to, to, to governments, certainly not the US government. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, there will be private enterprise going to the moon. Uh, Absolutely. We, so they've, yeah. asked, they've actually asked people who are going to the moon just to leave what the Americans put there alone. So don't touch the American flag, don't touch, uh, I think there's a camera there as well that was left there. And Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what was there. There's I've a heard number of golf balls. Like a, um, there's like a dish or something that, that can reflect light back to Earth or something. Oh, yeah, well. I think they, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, there is too, I think, yeah. Yeah, of course there are no laws. I mean, there's nothing to, you know. Right, it's a plea. Yeah, it's yeah. a, please don't do it. But you could go there and rip out the American flag and put your own one there if you really wanted. Yeah. And then send the American one out into a, into space. And- yeah, just javelin throw it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I think it will be a while before private enterprise touches down on the moon and does a moon mission um, because I, I don't think that's the focus at the moment. The focus at the moment is is basically resupply missions for the for the space station yeah, right. and launching satellites into space and that sort of stuff, like business-orientated sort of stuff. They Transactional might go, stuff. Uh, mi- yeah, they might go mining on some asteroids, just uh, prospecting to see what they can find, but yeah, no joy trips to, to the moon, I don't think. But you know, you know, before we, before private enterprise sends a person to the moon, they, they're certainly going to do a number of you know unmanned missions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those surely can't be too far away. Surely, probably another decade or two. Do you think? Oh, probably not even that. Yeah, I, I think we'll 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 see things really sort of speed up over the next five years. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if. Um, SpaceX or one of the other private companies makes it to the moon within the next five years. Now, you know, they say we live in exciting times and, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that, but I often, when I hear that, I often think, surely every generation said that. I mean, look at the Industrial Re- Revolution. Well, you know, even... Look like at the advent pe- of medicine, all that. People of our generation are actually lucky enough to live through two of these such events. I mean, the internet was one, like the advent of the internet fundamentally changed communication on this planet. Yeah, that's true. And now the opening up of space and what that can mean for communication on the planet is going to be massive, fundamental changes in in, um, society over the next 15 to 20 years. It's going to be massive. No more telecoms. No more telcos. No, oh, more, no telcos. more telcos. Yeah. <laughs> no more recording industry. Perhaps maybe everything's direct to consumer. Uh, no more middlemen. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, yeah. In general, no more. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would be nice. All right, let's uh, leave the international stories there, and we'll come back in just a second and talk about the .dot nz namespace possibly opening up. Don't go away.
yes, they have announced it that the .nz internet address system could, as in maybe, opened up to allow registrations at the second level. Now, look, I've been saying this for years. In fact, I'm sure I've beaten this drum on this very show a number of times. You have. <laughs> they, okay. I don't know why, and it's the same as Australia. You, you have the same system as us, and there are a number of other countries as well. The UK is another example where we register at the third level. So, for example, we have my name. .co.nz. In Australia, right. it's myname.com.au. In the UK, it's myname.co.uk. It's a real bugbear for me. It really is. And I was so pleased to see the story that they're at least considering allowing registrations at the second level. So the equivalent in those countries would be myname.nz or myname.au or myname.uk. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now, this is just to, to, to clarify those Australian and, and British examples are, are just ones I've made up as an analogy, it's actually the New Zealand one that is considering opening this up. Australia and the UK haven't actually announced this at all. So no, 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 I was just no, using no. examples. It's, it's great for New Zealand. But the thing is, here's what I want to know as well. This is a big question. If this goes ahead, is there going to be preferential registration for people with existing .co's or .net's? Almost certainly. Because you know what? That would put me in a very good position because currently I own dub 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 .co.nz, dub 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 being the the name that the three W's mm-hmm. is the name I registered. Yeah. So then, so if there's preferential registration, that means I could get dub 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 .nz. You could. That would be very cool. Awesome, even. It would be awesome. So anyway, so how do you it, get to that website? www.www.com.nz. Yeah, or of course you can do it without the the first <laughs> www. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, anyway, look, because that's the domain I use for my email address. And when yeah. I exchange email addresses, they say, often, every now and again, someone will say, oh, you're the guy who owns www.co.nz. That is cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is kind of cool. It is. So well, that's what you get for getting it, in early. Yeah, well, no, I actually, well, I didn't. I only registered it in ooh, 2000 or 2000. I think it was 2000. And the that's, reason that's getting in early. Well, it's well, hang on. Well, today, it, so. <laughs> it's early, but it's not that early. My point is, is that someone had it. years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. But someone had it before me. And the only reason I got it is they let it lapse. And I snapped it up four hours because I knew, you know, you know, you know when the expiry date is. Mm-hmm. And four hours after that, I snapped it up. So I was kind of lucky to get it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Just good timing. And that would probably not happen today because today it would go into auction mode. That's right. Because the registrar themselves would hang on to it. That's exactly right. Yep. Shakes his fist at the heavens. <laughs> I know, it's terrible, isn't it? And the game, whole game changed. You know, I remember years ago when domain names were free, at least in New Zealand they were, all you had to do is write your own uh, zone file, send it to the uh, to the guy at the University of Waikato, and he'll add it. And he, and he emails you back going, "Thanks, I've added that to the .nz namespace. I'll do a refresh later on this uh, this evening." Awesome, <laughs> and that's live. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool. Cash. It was it was very cash. You just email the guy. Here's here. I prepared the the zone file. Here it is. Can you throw that in? Yeah, sure thing. Before oh, it was a business. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, those were the days. Anyway, I'm reminiscing yeah. now. So look, I won't say much more about the story because really it's just they're considering doing this. There's, there's no agreement to do it yet. There's a whole heap of questions that need to be answered. But it is, I think, and at least in my view, good news uh, for the .nz namespace. Yeah, it's progress. It is. I wonder when Australia will do the same thing. 
Never. In fact, you know, the Aussie one is Too actually... Too progressive. Well, actually, the thing is, the Aussie one's really hard because you cannot uh, uh, register a Australian domain name unless you're either a, a citizen or you have a business registered in Australia. Yeah, well, that's that. That's it. You need a, a business, really. If it's a personal name, you can get away with it just being a citizen and saying that's my name, but... Yeah, but you see here in New Zealand, any, it's just opened up to anyone who wants to pay the money. Well, as it should be. Yeah, as it should be. I mean, it's just... Mind you, you know, you you could almost argue that do we even need country-specific ones? No. You just about could really not. But it's too late to go back now, I yeah. think. But, yeah, anyway. All right. That's it. That's the show for Tuesday this week because, of course, yesterday was Queen's birthday weekend. I hope she had a great birthday. Actually, it's not really her birthday, but that's the day we observe it. It's her fake birthday. Yeah, her fake birthday. One, one of about 20 she has each year. <laughs> Probably. In Is that what she looks like? She's really only 24. <laughs> she has a different birthday in every Commonwealth country. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I still like the Queen, actually. We, know, we I, I was having a discussion, in fact, just uh, on Friday, about whether New Zealand should become a republic. And, you know, there are people that I feel very strongly... One way or the other, there are some people that, that think we should be a republic now. We we should have we should have been a republic long ago. And there mm-hmm. are other people that, that are royalists and they love the you know the monarchy and say no no mm-hmm. no this is fine as it is don't change it. And uh, and I'm somewhere in the middle and I'm kind of of the thought that we should stay with the queen for as long as the queen lives. When she dies, everyone underneath her is really quite weird and bizarre and yeah. Once once she's dead, <coughs> yeah. Screw you guys. Yeah. I'm going home. Exactly. Cut the links. Charles and, and the rest are a bit, bit odd. Well, Charles won't, won't, won't get the throne. No, well, he would, wouldn't he? Harry. Harry will. Why will it be Harry? Well, not Harry. Harry's the younger one, isn't he? Yeah, it's uh, William. William. William why, will, will why get would it. Be, why? I'm sure Charles is in line. No, I don't think he is. I, I think the, the whole Diana thing guaranteed that he wouldn't get it. You sure? Uh, 90% sure. I'm pretty you know, sure that William is, is, is heir. No, actually, I don't think he is. But I'll, uh, I'm Googling wrong. it right now. Yeah, me too. I've come across the uh, Amazon answers. Will Prince William become king? Projectbritain.com. Order of succession. Oh, yeah, I just found the same link. Well, it's still putting it as Charles. Yeah, Prince Charles is next on the list. Yeah. In fact, there's 20 on the list. Mm. Mm. It's, it's Prince Charles, and then uh, Prince William, and then Prince Henry. Henry? Harry. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. His, he, his, his name is Prince Henry, but they call him Prince Harry. Huh. Interesting. Very strange. Okay. Yeah. What, I told you they were weird. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to close the show. Al, thank you very much for coming back to the show, in fact, after a little... A little while away. A hiatus. Yes, indeed. exactly. <laughs> it's good to have you back. And look, I really do look forward to seeing Drinkle launch. I understand you're very, very close. Uh, fingers crossed. All right. We'll watch the space. Eh? Well, I'll, I'll keep refreshing Drinkle.com on my browser every week as I do. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Not much has changed lately, but you know. Not, not I, yet. But not things yet. are changing behind the scenes. Ah, good, good. It's good that there's progress. All right, look, thank you once again. And uh, that concludes episode 169 of New Zealand's longest running tech podcast and, in our opinion, 
the best as well. Take care, everyone. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.